This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. There we go. Oh, she does it again. Welcome back to another episode <laughs> of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. We are talking. And special coffee. And special coffee. Yep. We are talking uh, how to kill moles right now. Yeah. <laughs> We got you him. came in. We, I we got have, a gopher problem. Yeah, he's got a gopher problem. Don't we? Don't. We have a great podcast from gopher problems today because we're talking all about guns. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't we are? <laughs> yeah. hey, don't we? Don't we sell a Max Lure Gopher Be Gone? <laughs> yeah. The Gopher Be Gone. Yeah, the Dream Series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, you would do that when I took a drink. Yeah. <laughs> the Dream Series. It puts, God, it, I got shit it puts them, out my nose. It puts them to sleep for good. <laughs> Long dreams. No, the one I just saw on TikTok was uh, taking a flare, stuffing it down in the hole, and then using a blower to just blow it, and then you just start seeing smoke, smoke come coming out of the up holes. everywhere. I kind of like that idea, and I might try that. Yeah, Bobby's ideas <laughs> are a little bit more in, more inhumane, but yeah. I, you know what, it works. inhumane. Yeah. He doesn't have any uh, mold problems. No. So inhumane. I mean, you mean, so gassing them out with a blower is not. Yeah, I was compared, say, it's I mean, virtually the same. Who thing. cares? We just want to kill the little suckers. <laughs> the yard caught on fire. Jesus. So that's what we've been talking about. I have. You can hear that. We're just yeah. going straight bourbon today. We are. Well, well, it's got coffee he, in it. No, he, mine is just ice and bourbon. That's what. <laughs> like that's what. Br- oh, he didn't go for the special yeah, coffee. That's yeah, what, the second, that's what. On the second Britain's round. Doing. Yeah, I'm doing special ice coffee. Yeah. Special, and then Bobby's got his concoction. Yeah, that, special ice coffee. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have one adult in the room. <laughs> Jeez. You gotta what have Harris Cookhouse. Elk Camp Roast to go with your Columbia bourbon. Exactly. I've already had one cup of coffee today. I am wired. <laughs> I'm also running on like three hours of sleep. So now he's going to go to sleep. Yeah. We're yep. going to wrap this up. I'm going home, going to bed. Britton, wake up. <laughs> oh, proof. good. Hunter proof. Hunter yeah. proof yeah. in the morning. Yeah. <clears throat> of course, uh, there's some good afternoon drinks too. They do have good afternoon drinks. Well, it's the, the vehicle you're creating to. Yep. We have Jerry Lee. We do. We have Jerry Lee. From Wood Family Spirits, who's going to explain a little bit about... Well, which, what's she talking about on this She's going to talk about using the OG vodka. Yeah, we're going OG vodka, which we haven't dabbled in yet today. We still have other things to do today. I, so I actually happen. did before I came. That's <laughs> what I had mixed up. Bobby's of course. Been, Bobby got up early this Bobby morning. Bobby got up early, yeah. Let's just jump... It's going off the rails quick. Let's yeah. just jump into Jerry Lee. Yeah. He's going to explain a little bit of another summer drink and the way she enjoys drink her OG, OG vodka. vodka. Today I'm at the River Tap Restaurant and Pub, the home of the Wood Family Spirits, and I'm with Jerry Lee Adams. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm real good. And so uh, you're the general manager here, and uh, I also know that you really like selling the OG vodka. Can you tell me about that? Well, the OG vodka is very unique. It is made from Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc grapes versus a grain or a potato. So it is carbon filtered three times. 
it's not a grape flavored vodka, but it has an essence of the fruit to it. So it finishes very smooth. It has a mouth feel that's silkier than most vodkas. And honestly, I drink it on the rocks, splash of water, squeeze the lime, kind of like you would a bourbon. Most people would say that you don't want to take a straight shot of vodka, which honestly, if we were 21 years old, you may take a straight shot of vodka and regret it for the rest of your life. Yeah, but not the OG vodka. Not the OG vodka. The OG vodka is something that a sophisticated human would want to put just with no sugar with it, which actually makes it a little bit skinnier of a drink because you're not adding a whole bunch of sugar. We have this, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we have morning special coffee Mm -hmm. and we like to in, in the afternoon to have our OG vodka and oftentimes we just mix it with a little bit of fresca because we're adding some, you know, some citrus to it. Any citrus brings out more of that fruity essence that it has to it and you don't get the burn of like that rubbing alcohol kind of ethanol burn that a typical vodka, even a high-end vodka has. Thanks for uh, visiting with us, <laughs> Cherry Lee. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rich. Like I, uh, you know, I'm not the most eloquently spoke person, but I'm telling you that that vodka is something that's unique and special and something you've never tasted before in your life, and you will enjoy it. That's right. Give that OG vodka a try. Okay, so yeah, th- we were indulging that day, and yeah. uh, but you get the gist of it. Uh, that's a good way to do the OG vodka. It is. So and, you know, if we're doing these in the afternoon, we'd switch. Well, you know, I, I just so you guys know, <laughs> the OG vodka mixed with a strawberry lemonade is absolutely fantastic. Oh, I can only imagine. It's, it's really good. Oh. It, with, with, and, and then put just a little bit of lime juice in it. Ooh. So you got just, just a touch of tart. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. Oh, I, might, I might have that like every night while I'm cooking. <laughs> it kind of it sounds like what we were drinking that one time when we were salmon fishing down there what'd you call that thing oh that was jungle juice jungle, jungle juice, juice. <laughs> which we're getting in a jungle juice season because we have the wenatchee salmon derby coming up that's true and the best part about the wenatchee salmon derby isn't doing you know a good thing for a good cause and having fun <laughs> on the water it's the massive blue jug of juice that bobby shows up with <laughs> for us to hang out with at the way station yeah bobby and, bobby and Britton have to hang out at the on the shore at the way station. Yeah, yeah. and usually a hundred degree weather, and so yeah. the only way to get through that is through jungle juice. And you know, by the end of the day, your mouth's completely blue. But uh, <laughs> well, it sounds like maybe you have a, a solution here. You got yeah, I think really it is. Good. I think well, it is no, no, solution that, that, of some that, sort that yeah. he puts it, in there. It will it will mix quite well. Yeah. It's like Dawn with, soap. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This will be the first year that we'll be able to utilize that OG that OG vodka. vodka. Oh yeah. And. That, that'll work out well. Yeah, well. The leftovers of that is what we were drinking on the boat with Dwayne yeah. during the sockeye <laughs> oh. when we did that. <laughs> Tommy. Sipping on some scissor. Yeah. <laughs> i just working on that today. <laughs> did you oh, get boy. the 3-6 the Mafia? <laughs> that was a fun day. Yeah. It was a fun day. So we the Wenatchee Salmonary, we'll touch on that real quick. Bobby and I and a bunch of others, we put on the Wenatchee Salmon Derby for... The North Central Washington chapter of CCA Washington. This year, the Derby is July 14th and 15th. It's a two-day Derby. Yeah. We you can we have a captain's meeting on Thursday night. It's for a great cause. The CCA group that we have up here is we've done a tremendous job. This will be our tenth uh, year for 
the Wenatchee Salmon Derby. It's it's the Peter Floor Memorial. Yes. It's the 10th annual Peter Floor Memorial Wenatchee Salmon Derby. Yep. Yeah. Say that 10 Say times Say that fast. 10 times quick. Yeah, yeah, no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Jinx, so C- you, owe, you owe me a bourbon. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so CCA is Coastal Conservation Association. And uh, all of the, the money, the proceeds, actually one of the uh, better payouts on the river. It's like $2,000 for big, big fish. fish. Big fish. And... Then we also have boat weight, uh, things like that. And we right. pay down to like five or six places, I think. Five yeah, places. five places, biggest yeah. fish, five places, heaviest boat weight. There's no limit on how many people you have on your boat as long as everyone has a ticket. So if you really want yep. to win that heaviest boat, I mean, you can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it ends up being over $7,500 a prize. Uh, and then we do a big raffle at the end, too, with a bunch of cool prizes from a bunch of people in the industry throughout yeah, that's uh, awesome. the Northwest. It's a great time. Great we time. have a lot of fun, and it's for a great cause. So, so tickets are on sale now. You go to Wenatchee Salmon Derby, com. Click on the Tickets tab. It'll take you to the CCA Washington site to go purchase tickets. We encourage you to do that early, and we'll have way stations at Hooked on Toys in Wenatchee as well as up at BB Bridge. So if you want to come from out of town and go camp, I'd recommend getting a hold of uh, either Confluence Park or BB Bridge or Lincoln to, to get a campsite reserved so you can launch at one of those places. Uh, you can fish all the way from Rock Island all the way up to Wells Dam. And uh, it's a good, fun derby that I've been a part of for about four years now. And Bobby's been, you know, since its induction. So we have a lot of fun. And uh, the awards banquet at the end... Uh, is a pretty good time as well. So uh, w- when you're throwing cash around and yeah. you know you have a few beverages and prizes and all sorts of stuff, it's and you've it's been all si- for and you've been sitting in the time. parking lot, <laughs> yeah, you in guys. 110 degrees for two days, yeah, yeah. you guys, yeah, kind of wax by the time you're done, yeah. So we encourage you to sign up early. That way, it helps me get uh, captain's packets together and uh, the way sheets all put together. But it's a good fun derby, and uh, we're excited to do it for the tenth year in a row. So go to Wenatchee Salmon derby.com and get signed up today so on the podcast today we have tim anderson northwest retention systems and he's gonna talk guns yeah we're talking handguns um tim makes holsters that's his main thing but all kinds of retention systems that hold your holster close to your body or belts and also some clothing but he's um knows a lot about handguns and i talked to him about how you select a handgun for what you need uh, particularly if you want one for bear defense, if you're hunting in a place that has grizz or black bear you're concerned about. You mean like where you were just at? Yeah, maybe just like in Alaska. Or silver grizzlies? For, so, yeah, if we're in <laughs> Mexico with silver grizzlies, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Gotta watch out for them. But anyway, he does a nice job of explaining all that. And I took advantage of being together at the Central Oregon Sportsman Show, and he was my neighbor, and so we talked about it. Now, does he do uh, anything else? Does he do uh, cases for long guns or anything like that? No. Or is it all predominantly holsters, holsters. belts, things holsters, like belts. that? Holsters, belts, yeah. Retention. Holsters. He has a, a he call it retention system because he also has um, a, like you would have for your binoculars, kind right, of a chest right. harness where you can put okay. your holster. Cool. Um, really nice belts, which you have one there, Bobby, yeah. that, that you can uh, mount your holster to if you want it on your hip, but... You're not wearing it. It's getting a little tight. Drinking special coffee. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's a little tight. Yeah. But anyway, it's a good it's a good conversation, and I'm sure folks you'll enjoy hearing what he has to say. Good. Well, I'm excited to 
I'm always excited to talk guns. Guns are fun. So, Absolutely. But before ah. that, we are going to talk a little bit about... We actually what? went fishing. These guys went fishing. So last week, we talked about Richie going fishing, yep. but we had also gone fishing. So for the first time in a long time, all three of us have fishing stories to talk about. We do. And we had to break it up into two podcasts. Yeah, that's right. Because well, that's because Richie bagged on us because he went to Alaska. No, Richie did no, bag on us. I did, but for a good reason. Yeah, you probably made a good decision, but we, <laughs> we still had a great time. We drove across the country, it felt like... Eight and a half hours. Dan Avery had us out to his backyard, and oh, yeah, we, got we went to Anderson Dan. Ranch Reservoir in Pine, Idaho. We and got Dan Avery. <laughs> Dan Avery convinced us all to come out there. The fishing was hot, and so we were like, hell yeah, and we jumped in the car yep. on a Sunday afternoon and, and drove we went. for nine hours. Yeah, well, it wasn't Flaming Gorge long, but still no. pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. They have a very cool lodge. It's the... Pine Lodge and Motel, and we've stayed there before. This is our second trip to Anderson Ranch. Richie joined us last time. A bunch of guys from California drove up on our pro staff to join us for this absolute slaughter fest that we put together out there. <laughs> yeah, but this is your kind of annual. Max this is a relationship Lord trip, you know. Pro staff retreat. This is our pro staff uh, pro retreat. Pro staff retreat. Right. We uh, invite whoever wants to come out there. This year we had a really cool group. We, you know get up in the morning we go fishing we right. all jump in each other's boats and kind of fish with as many people as possible and then we come back and we you know do a big dinner and have a couple beverages and go to bed and do it all over again so it was a three-day trip this time what did we notice as soon as we drove into pine idaho we noticed that the river was not fishable the river was <laughs> ripping yeah you know that little river that in, josh it was and I up fished in the campground yeah. next to the motel yeah and, and it was absolutely, you couldn't take quick chocolate milk and made it any darker brown. I mean, it was unbelievable. So ominous signs off the bat. And then we just kind of brushed it away. It's going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. So the next day we get up, I went out with Dan, his father, Tim, and Louis Hubert oh, yeah. on day one. Luke. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the guy who fishes yeah. this lake's boat. Yeah. It was a grind. It was a grind all three days, yeah. but we did get into fish. We caught a bunch of fish, but it was uh, with that dirty water. We were fishing in the top five feet of the water, yeah. five yeah. to seven feet. Yeah, the, the side planters clarity can really screw you up. I've had that happen to me before, just even yeah, in Lake know, Roosevelt. We we never caught a rainbow. Really? Can you believe that? Yeah, we never caught crazy. a rainbow. Yeah, but it was uh, it, it was just you had to work. For what you caught yeah and i mean it was just a grind but i mean you know how that goes we we had fun i mean oh of course we we had to pick on the uh peanut butter boys yeah and <laughs> there was a lot of peanut butter the first thing bobby did when i got there he went over to the store and bought them out of peanut butter really i bought yeah. all four jars of peanut butter that they had all and four then, yeah and then decided to put a little bit on mark's uh, door handle <laughs> and a little and, more on and, his toilet and seat on his toilet seat we went and got the key from the lady. He was like, which one's Mark's room is going to be? Uh, <laughs> and then I stayed out of it. I didn't want any of that Yeah, that could come, that could come, come back. <laughs> so oh, it did. Mark oh, did, did get him back. He went and uh, we brought a huge box of product. And uh, <laughs> I'm sitting on the phone after dinner one night. And Mark comes up to me. I'm like busy. He's like, hey, I need your key. I need it. And I was like, okay, hand him my key. And I'm <laughs> that sitting was a there bad and like, idea. Yeah, well, why <laughs> did I just give Mark the key to my room? <laughs> 
And so I was like, okay. And I get off the phone and I walk down there and I see Mark walking out of our room. And I was like, what did you just do? And he just has a shitty grin on his face. (laughs) He went and took all of our box of product and started shoving lures underneath Bobby's bed sheets. Like between the mattress and the main sheet, into the the pillows, everything. So when Bobby was tired and getting ready to go to bed laid down on two like bunch of boxes and, of, and i wasn't tired i mean there was, you know, it was no big deal because we would come back and then package. we got to cook for 20 people yeah and, and you know and you cook and then clean up and then you want to go to bed and i go in there and i sit down and i hear this crunch crunch <laughs> that roll. oh my god i spent a half hour pulling lures out <laughs> Of the sheets underneath the bed cover. Teach you, Britain. Oh. Well, of course, you, you you weren't the receiving end of that. I did nothing but supply the key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Accomplice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I didn't do any of the peanut butter shenanigans. I know better. Yeah. But back to the fishing. So we had to fish a little bit different with the water clarity, and so we're using side planters. You know, sending them out 120 plus feet. Yeah, and. uh I don't think we caught a fish deeper than seven feet all all week. No, the first no. day I was out, I caught the first two fish that morning, and it was what, what we now call a dream sickle. The dream sickle. <laughs> the dream sickle. Yeah. And uh, Bobby had tied up uh, basically a little mini kokanee pros, but in like hot orange and glow white yeah. with the UV copper small blade. And by the end of the trip, I think everyone was fishing that, and that's what <laughs> caught basically all the fish. And it was just in the top. You know, we're just fishing the yeah. top of the water column, and that's why it's so surprising that we didn't even land one trout. Oh, so, I know, I, 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 it blew me away. I wanted to ask you guys if uh, did you use flashlights? I did. We the we second tried. Day. We tried flashlights. Yeah. We tried virtually a two blade on in front of a double yeah. D back to like an eight inch leader to that little. The, the reason I ask is because uh, one time Danny Coyne and I were fishing Lake Roosevelt, and it was super stained. I yeah. mean, like, you'd put your gear down, and it would just disappear. Yeah, there was, like, one foot of clarity. Yeah, it'd just disappear almost immediately. And we fished, you know, we are pulling Dodgers and, and Wiggle Hoochies and all kinds of things, you know, trying to get them to bite. And yeah. so we, we were noodling about it, talking, and eventually we ended up putting four-blade flashlights on with the Dodger sure. and, and then a Wiggle Hoochie with a glow. And we, all of a sudden we started getting bit. And we think it was because they finally could see the damn thing. Well, <laughs> you, you get that 360, and that and – yeah. That was the what first Britain thing I said, said when I know, came yeah. back. It was yeah. like, I'm going to go, Bobby, yeah. do you have any flashlights? Well, unfortunately, we only had two blades. Uh-huh. But uh, I still threw it on. And we did get nibbled on a few times in the morning, caught yeah. a couple fish on it. And then there was just dead spells out there. Yeah. And then it was like immediately changing everything constantly. Yeah, that's the nice thing about those flashlights, the four blade, is they provide so much attraction. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and uh, on that particular day, it was cloudy. So, you know, normally, like, silver would work really well if it's got some sun because you're really going to be reflecting light but we were using the um chartreuse or pink the uv uh lemon lime yeah yeah holy cow that worked good well bobby on the we'll tell him what you caught that nice 18 inch fish on well that that first day uh speaking of chartreuse it was was on on a wiggle hoochie and guess what the, the, oh, was it the the chartreuse and yeah. pink spatterback? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I I caught that uh, that fish high sun. I mean, it was warm all three days we right. were, or four days we were there. Right. Well, and, it was pissing down rain. Well, on it, the second day. Yeah, yeah, on the second day in the morning. But remember the afternoon. Yeah, then it got bacon ass. And then it got bacon ass hot in the afternoon. Yeah. So that you had that high sun and stuff. Anything high 
viz anything with, with yeah. that high uv on it chartreuse colors paint colors right. orange orange was the color that danny's been doing the best on right but so any of those high uv colors mm. up on the surface yep is what what we caught all of our fish that on. that uh, chartreuse wiggle bill with the pink spatterback is yeah. what we did so well up in canada up in with. canada yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> i think it was I on fire have, i always have a bunch you gotta of have that in your absolutely arsenal. absolutely yeah. that's a cool thing because you know here's a little plug but the wiggle hoochie bill is now available and the uv orange the hot pink the uv chartreuse nice. the clear and the uv and so you can kind of yeah even if you don't want to type your own stuff you just buy a pack of those with your regular wiggle hoochie bills slip you know the other blue. sure yeah, it gives you a real variety. And, and in a spring, when we're fishing spring, a lot of our lakes are this way, right? They get sure. stained real easy because yep. of runoff, and that's what you need, I think. You, you, gotta, need, you need that high UV you do. Uh, product, you know, so in they order can see to it. draw fish, you know, to what you're doing. Yep. Same thing with, with the uh, sling blades right. or the double D dodgers. Right. You know, we did well on both of them. And I mean, some guys were just absolutely hell bent on using double D's, and and some were hell bent on using. But they were all high UV, right. you know, like the glow orange For or sure. the high UV copper, right? Or, you know, so it, anything with high UV is what you caught fish on. Right. So and, you've and, got me in a silver is the only thing that matters mode right now, and so I fished only silver. Oh, is that all you fished? Double D's, yeah. Huh. Yeah, see, and that and that was his problem. It yeah. wasn't a problem. I caught yeah. the most fish on the first day. The, no, you didn't catch. Oh yeah, you did. The, oh, because Bobby uh, came oh. in counting squaw fish. <laughs> hey, you said fish. He's like, I caught exactly. three fish today. Exactly. I caught. I, I caught personally caught three fish. I was like, how many coke did you catch? Silence. <laughs> no, I got one. He got one. I got one big one. Counting squaw. He did. He was taking pictures with squawfish. Do you oh, see his squawfish picture? <laughs> yeah, I you, did see it actually. Oh, that squawfish picture. Hell, that's one of the best pictures we had. Jeez. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, when well, you said catching fish, that counts. But yeah, it was it was all, you know, all high UV stuff right. and on the surface. Yeah. When you fish deep, you got squawfish. Yeah, yeah. But we, we we actually did something a little different. Instead of fishing down where, where Danny had been doing well, Mark and I and, and Adam went up, and we started at the head of the lake. Yeah. The river comes in right there. You get you have your current going down, but you have different points and stuff where you'll get swirls and, and back eddies yeah. and stuff. So we basically fished our way down lake. Right. And when you spotted fish, you know, we were fishing to the fish, but we never caught anything deep. I mean, yeah. like I said, we, we never caught a kokanee under, I think, seven feet. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah. it, was, it was on fire last time we were there. Yeah. And then, of course, after you guys left and the oh, yeah. rain we, settled down. Yeah, we got, Dan Ave, we got Dan Avery. Yeah, Dan, it was Dan the went up and <laughs> Avery prank. We were Dan on the radio. Like, All right, Dan, you got us. You got us good. Yeah. <laughs> They they were picking on him heavy. Yeah, I'm sure they probably were. <laughs> it was super fun though, and oh, yeah. uh, had a great time. Caught a bunch of fish. Got a bunch of content. You know, again, we had, it was we a, had a lot of great food and, and yeah. a lot of good embellishment. Yeah. If you guys uh, don't follow Max Lure on social media, you should because I've seen lots of pictures that you guys posted. Looks like you had a good time. It was. It was. Uh, we it had was a lot blast. of fun. A lot of fun. All right. Well, I'm going to bed.
<laughs> no, let's uh, jump into our interview with Tim with Northwest Retentions. Retention? Systems. Systems. Yeah. You like the logo too, don't you? The logo is very cool. Yeah. You guys will have to go check it out after yeah. you get, get yeah. done with the podcast. But uh, we're going to jump into that and talk a little bit of guns and how to choose your guns, calibers, and stuff over my head. So I'll talk to you later. Today I'm with Tim Anderson of Northwest Retention Systems. How are you today? Doing fantastic, Richie. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to visit with me. Today we're going to talk about handguns. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like folks to get to know a little bit about you. So tell me uh, a little bit of your background. Uh, are you a hunter and fisherman? Uh, well, I'd say I used to be, for sure. Uh, back in the day I was. I'm 28 years old and used to do all that stuff as a kid, as a youngster, but got into shooting quite a bit, and that's kind of how the whole business started. But as I started getting into shooting a lot, it's also when I started my family as well, and so starting a family and a business all at the same time, a lot of things seemed to fall to the wayside. So hunting and fishing kind of took that place. You've got your priorities straight, but that's a good thing, but uh, hopefully one of these days you'll get back to that. So what kind of got you into really the interest in shooting? Shooting was just uh, growing up around guns relatively, but uh, it just had a little weird itch to me. And so I just started buying handguns when I turned 21. I started shooting a lot, you know, building courses for myself and doing a lot of shooting. I didn't have really good gear when I was doing all that. And so that's kind of how this all kind of started. So I took and did a lot of shooting, had crappy gear, then, you know, it kind of went from there. So there's a lot to that, of course. Of course. And we're going to talk about your business here towards the end, but our topic today is <clears throat> I want to talk about handguns. And for our listeners out there, if they don't own a handgun, but they're thinking about getting one for either personal protection, but probably, you know, to take to the field with them when they're going hunting, you know, let's say they're, they've got a great opportunity to go to Alaska to hunt moose or caribou, and they want something for, you know, bear protection. What are some of the factors for folks that they should think about when selecting the handgun caliber and style that's right for them that's a great question i love to answer that so here's some of the tips and things that i look at and things that i propose for you to look at and think about one of these things is ease of use that's one of the biggest things is ease of use of the handgun when it comes to large game like grizzly bears for example brown bears large animals like that we're throwing pistol cartridges at those animals and you're already deficient like you're not efficient enough already you need high caliber rifles to really do some serious stopping power as people like to say so when it comes to handguns we're already deficient being able to efficiently use something is what's most important so that's where i like to encourage semi-automatic platforms especially in the 10 millimeter category uh, you're getting a lot of power of that 10 millimeter cartridge and you're getting a semi-automatic platform. There's a lot of great handguns too these days, like the SIG X10, the M&P uh, 10 millimeters, the Springfield 10 millimeters, and they're all optic cut, get red dots on top of them. They all shoot really well, shoot super flat, and they have great capacity for the cartridge count. In comparison to a wheel gun, wheel guns are great. I don't recommend wheel guns. They have great caliber choices, but we're still deficient in the caliber, and we're always, we're always subject to like six rounds versus where in the 10 millimeter we can get 14, 16, 18 rounds, depending on the handgun you choose. Being able to put more rounds on target efficiently and effectively, I feel and I think personally is better than being able to get one or two uh, possibly on, on target with a revolver, which usually is a lot harder to wield and operate. That's one thing in my experience that uh, I know because I have a revolver and a 44 mag. You know, I just don't shoot it that much. 
and it's just I'm a bow hunter and a, and a shotgunner. I like to go up and bird hunting. So I think you really need to practice. So let's say somebody now they found the right caliber for them. You know, maybe a 10 millimeter semi-auto, and that's a good bear protection gun. Like you said, put a lot of shots on target. What are the kinds of things that they should do then uh, in terms of practice? Uh, maybe some shooting tips or other tips that folks would get once they get their handgun. So one of the biggest things is, is your draw. So if you're out in the woods, you're out hunting and you're carrying that handgun, whether you're carrying on your hip or you're carrying in our uh, novel uh, Scout chest holster, which is an exceptional product that we offer that works exceptionally well for out hunting, backpacks and stuff like that. The reason I say this is draw, is working, is, is getting a muscle memory of presentation of the firearm. That's the biggest thing. So everyone's all, I, I speak to so many people who are ultra confident about, oh, oh, I'll just shoot them in the knee or I'll just do this or I'll just do that, but they don't shoot their handgun actually. They don't actually practice. So just put yourself in a situation that you're gonna be in, AKA if you're gonna be hunting, wear the holster the way you're gonna wear the holster, wear the gun where you're gonna wear the gun, and just go to the range and throw some rounds down target of pulling the firearm and presenting it mm -hmm. and making your shots. Just that type of repetitions of presenting the firearm is really the biggest key. So kids these days, they watch video games and they watch movies and they watch people pull a pistol out and gangster style turn it sideways or you know do something in the movies that really isn't proper technique. What is the best technique for holding the pistol in order to be an effective shot? So if you can just imagine with me, just so if you're right-handed, just imagine with your right hand. If you're left-handed, just imagine the same. You're going to take and draw the handgun. When you take, you're going to take your hand, you're going to kind of push it into the handgun, into the holster, with the web of your hand pushing right up into the top of the pistol where your, where your grip would be. And then you're going to grab and squeeze, and you're going to rip and pull, get a nice brisk pull on that firearm to get it out of the holster. Once you do that, your finger's going to come around that grip, and you're going to grab a full hand grip with that right hand. And then you're going to stop, and you're going to, you're going to take and bring that firearm up in front of your chest and start pushing out with your arm. And as you're doing that, you're going to take the palm, the meaty part, underneath your thumb and you're going to press that in between your other hand and then wrap your fingers around your other fingers into your knuckles and then you're going to take and push the rest of your your elbows out and push that gun up up into your eye line that's the most important thing don't bring your head down into the gun bring the gun up into you and where you're looking and where you're trying to be so grabbing a whole a whole hand on that firearm pulling taking your support hand getting the meat of your support hand in between your other hand and then wrapping your fingers around and then pushing your elbows out and bring that handgun up into your sight line. How about stance and elbows? Stance and elbows, you wanna be facing your target. You don't wanna be sideways, we're not shooting a bow here. We're, we're, we're facing, think about a boxer, we're facing the enemy, we're facing the target. So just a square stance, maybe one foot a little bit farther in front of the other one, and a little bit bite bend of the knees, get the best, most stable stance right there. Uh, when it comes to elbows, you're right, if you're shooting right-handed, traditionally your right, hand, your right elbow is gonna be slightly bent um, and your left arm is going to be more extended. And what that's doing is that's rotating your, your, if you're looking at your fist, you put your thumb up as in a thumbs up sign, you're going to be pushing your thumb forward and pointing at the enemy with your, with your other support hand and straightening your elbow out relatively. You're going to still leave a slight bow to it, but you're going to be straightening it out almost. Okay, that's really good. That'll give folks some, some uh, techniques. I know you, uh, they can't see uh, your demonstration, but you described it really well. So we've got the right caliber. Uh, we've worked on our stance how we pull it out of the host holster, our grip. Let's talk a little bit about uh, round choice, okay? So when you go to the store, no matter what caliber that you're shooting, uh, they often come in many different size, grain size. So do you have any tips or techniques for folks to, to kind of choose the right 
grain for the bullet they're going to shoot. That's that's honestly, I can't give too much to that. There's too there's so much ammunition out there, hollow points, round, uh, full metal jacket, um, and even like cast bullets. It's really it's really tough to put a description on what and where the situation you're going to be in, and what actually uh, you know a uh, type of cartridge you're going to want to need, or bullet specifically. Um, full metal jacket would be my round it with a heavier grain would be my choice out in the woods because we're, we're not get, I don't want that expansion necessarily on big game. I want to be able to punch through things quicker. I don't want to expand like a hollow point would right on impact because we got bigger bones to deal with on, on these larger animals. So full metal jacket and a higher grain is what I'm running with. That's perfect. That's kind of what I was getting at. You started this company, uh, Northwest Retention. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, again, the background of why you decided that this would be a good avenue for you to, to work on. Sure. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I used to sell like worms. I used to go collect. I used to collect, collect night crawlers and put them in little containers and sit on the side of the road and sell worms. I've always, you know, always been an entrepreneur at at, at heart. I was growing a family and I just and I was like I've seen in the beginning doing a lot of shooting. So as I was doing that shooting, I had terrible gear. So I decided to. I did some research, ordered a bunch of material, made some of my own gear, was testing it out, using it and kind of kept doing that and then I kind of looked around the market I was like, "Oh man, you know, I think I can do this. I've already got that mindset of build a business kind of a thing. This is something I love doing." And so at that point, I uh, implemented a couple ideas, innovative products and developed them and then just started started the company from that and started going to shows and talking to people and getting into stores and and advertising that way. So that's basically how it started shooting, needed better gear, created that better gear and then started to manufacture it. Okay, and um, again, folks are not able to see what you and I can see around the table, but describe your kind of your main products. Yeah, we have four main products which are innovative products. The main top sellers are Scout Chest Holster, which I developed when I was out hunting because mm-hmm. I couldn't have a good solution for carrying my firearm with me, and so I developed the Scout Chest Rig. It's a chest rig that's the most comfortable, the most versatile chest rig on the market. It sits super high and tight to your body, very flexible, very comfortable, works underneath your bino bag with, with, with the uh, backpacks as well. That's our top seller for our hunters and our anglers and our fishermen out there, out in the boonies. That's uh, our top seller, greatest product. Uh, second would be our Outlaw series. We have a concealment line outside and inside the waistband. They're a leather-backed uh, holster. They're a hybrid holster, but they're very compact, packed, very low profile. And they also have very positive retention, which you can't find in a hybrid holster. So we have all those advantages built into our Outlaw series for concealment. And then we have our concealed series, our, our belt. Our belt is very unique to us. It's made with a proprietary type webbing. So we have a very thin, very flexible belt, but yet great, great structure. And then we use a, a milled aluminum G-hook buckle that we use to undo the belt. So it's very fast to undo, very flexible, very strong at the same time. So can't beat that belt. Literally the best in the market. I know it's mine. I know I created it. But if you compare it to anyone else, it beats them out all day long. When I'm looking at that belt and that buckle, I'm thinking how nice is that underneath uh, a, you know, the waistband of a pack. You know, We sell packs over my booth. So that just looks like that would work great uh, underneath. And I'm assuming... The way that your harness system is, it's nice and tight to your body so it doesn't rub, right, when we're carrying our pack. That's correct, and that's the biggest selling point. The way I've got materials like elastic and leather and wide cordura solution dyed nylon strapping, just between all the materials that I'm using and the placement that I put them in allows everything to be tight, flex, move, and expand with your body so it's never pinching, never binding up, and having hot spots. It's a very, very flexible system. Well, I think that's great. Well. We're here at the Central Oregon Show, and we have a couple minutes before the, the crowd comes in. So 
it's uh, probably time for us to get everything ready and appreciate the time that you have taken to let our listeners know about handguns and some of the options for carrying them. Absolutely, Richard. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, let's get after it today, huh? Yep, let's do it. I always enjoy talking to Tim. He's uh, real knowledgeable about handguns in particular. It's something that's kind of become his passion, and, and he's always our booth neighbor at Central Oregon, and I see him around. And so, you know what's funny is Tim, he's quite the jokester. He likes to come around, and my mom, she's the one that sells barbecue sauce at the shows. Sure. And so she's got her corner with all the labels perfectly placed out and the seasonings the same way. And Tim likes to walk around the corner when she's busy and turn all the labels the wrong direction. Or <laughs> and then he just looks at her, smiles, and takes off. So, I, knew I, I knew I liked yeah, him. Yeah, you knew you liked Tim for a reason. <laughs> no, but he's real knowledgeable. And uh, if you are looking for a holster or wanting to get a handgun, let's say you're taking a, a hunting trip, north somewhere where you're worried about bears then um the things that tim had to say will help you a lot hey you get you you gotta pack a gun gotta sometimes pack. gotta pack yep absolutely shall we talk some news yeah what do you got there yeah. britain this one's for bobby is because, it uh <laughs> like bobby loomis uh, patrick edwards of cheyenne wyoming prides himself in going after big fish in the state of wyoming which Bobby, you know, loves trying to catch yeah, big fish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy uh, broke two state records in the same month for sucker fish. Sucker fish. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby's just over here, just like pissed that he wasn't down there. He to wasn't catch there. Fish. Damn, <laughs> I missed out on one. So on April second, he broke the state record for the long nose sucker, which is Bobby's favorite type of sucker. <laughs> uh, when he caught a three pound, fifteen point six ouncer. Then, literally a week later, he broke his own state record wow. for the white sucker fish at 6 pounds, 8.45 ounces. He'd pace. already set the record March 2020 with a 5-pound fish. Wow. So this guy just... He's on him. He knows Bobby's, how to catch him. Well, we're going to get him on the podcast yeah, so Bobby can talk him. to him. And I, I wonder if he was using Maxwell power bait. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very excited in his picture with his sucker fish. He does. Look at that. Look That's at amazing. That. You know what? More power yeah. to him. Hey, a big fish is a big so, fish. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like like that white fish that we caught. That white fish was big. That was. But we wanted to get fish. it out of the boat. We should do a show just catching shit fish. <laughs> you know what Bobby did to me one time? <laughs> but is it the carp? I I knew it. You got to tell carp. the carp. Here's the carp. The carp. This is so Moses we, Lake. Yeah, we went to Moses Lake, and of course, like a dumbass, I forgot the worms, and so. We just launched. I'm like, God, I forgot the worms. I go, I'll be right back. And so I ran up, and Bobby's in the boat, and he backs off the launch there, and he's just dinking around. And what there. does Bobby do anytime we're just waiting to fish? Oh, he's well, he's fishing. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he pulls out the spinning rod, he's, and he's immediately immediately casting. casting. I mean, he wants to be the first, right? <laughs> so I run up to the little store and come right back with a bunch of worms and jump in the boat, and we shove off. And I look back in the motor well. <laughs> And there's this carp that came from the Jurassic period that was <laughs> was laying in my motor well it, going... It, it was huge. It, it was it freaking was, huge. I'm like, what the hell? You, 
get rid of that thing. He's going, get it, get it out, get it out, get it off my boat. That Maxler power bait is good. <laughs> it is, it is. You know how much slime that damn thing oh had? Oh my god! Trying uh, to get it off the, the back scale, of the boat. The scales, the scales on the huge. things were like fifty cent pieces. Well, did man. he have a straight face when you got in the oh, boat? Oh no, he was. I knew something was up. I'm like, I was, I was pissing myself. I was, I, laughing I was so hard. like, what are you, what are you up to? And then I look back. There's these giant gold. Thing from the Stone Age. It's like, what is that? My boat. Oh my god, that thing was huge. Man. It was huge. That's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Bobby. Uh, let's let's Thanks, jump Bobby. into something also silly. Yeah, what it's else? It's just gonna be silly news today. Because John Cruz wrote a very opinionated uh, piece in his latest Washington Outdoors report. Titled Leave the Babies Be. Leave the Babies Be. With late winter much in the rearview mirror of the Northwest, now is the time you may run across young fawns, calves, along with other animals or birds that appear to be abandoned. 99% of the time, which I don't know is true actual scientific knowledge, but (laughs) 99% of the time these animals are not orphaned and the mother is foraging or hunting for food nearby. So don't make the mistake of removing the animal to save it. Now here's where they bring in the example. An example. So such an act occurred last week in Yellowstone National Park where a man decided to lift a bison calf out of the river so it could rejoin its herd. And guess what happened to that guy? Run well, over. not that guy, but guess what happened to that calf? The herd rejected it, and then they had to kill the calf. Yeah. The park They had to euthanize it. Yeah. Let me tell you what. I, you know, we, we've, we've talked about this yeah. before, but, you know, being out, right, out right, and about, exactly. seeing... You know, I've seen hundreds of little spotted fawns, elk, oh, yeah. you know, even bears, you yeah. know, small. If you see a small bear, this, you better this, be moving the other direction. Well, this during the spring, <laughs> that's when they're out. That's when, you know. They're just they're, dropped. They're just dropped. And they're they're trying to hide. You just happen to see it. And the mother's right there somewhere. You know, you just leave them alone. Yeah. But I they're mean, it, saving it's it. It's common sense. They're saving People it. People just need to not do that kind of stuff. We see all the videos on social media of these people trying to take pictures of bison. I mean, why would you go pick up a a baby bison calf? You're going to get railroad like they do when they try to take pictures of them. I Window love liquor. it when they do, though. Um, I do, too. It's, That's like some of the best content. It's kind of funny. Oh, I just, I, I don't, you know, people, they don't use common sense. I mean, you know, let's face it. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. They're got, there for a reason. Unless you're practicing calling in herds of deer. <laughs> <laughs> like Britain. Yeah, but that's during the middle of the winter. Yeah, in the that's spring, a early summer. Whoa, whoa, that, whoa. That, that's, that's, when, that's when they drop. You know, that, yeah. that's when those Leave little fawns and, and baby cubs and all of those, that that's when they drop. I got a funny story for you about that. So when I was... In high school, working for a custom hand company, guys that owned a ranch in eastern Oregon, they had an eight-mile-long ditch that came out of the timber. And every spring before we would turn on the irrigation water to their place, you'd have to go log out. Sure. You'd hike Clean for it. miles and, and log this out with chainsaws. And it was deep. And it was built, you know, way long time ago. Anyway, so we, we'd be in this ditch dry go along cutting logs out and we walk along and every now and then you'd pop up and look out into the trees well we're going along there and and his name is Rollin and Rollin looks up over the edge and he sees this baby elk calf and uh I'm like oh that's cool you know we're looking at it and everything and he goes I've always because we're cattle ranchers right he goes I've always wondered what one of those weigh (laughs) I'm like 
no, man. I go, you need to leave that thing alone. He goes, yeah, well, I don't see her. You know, we can check it out real quick. She'll never know. So he says, you stand over here where it can see you, and I'm going to sneak around behind and check it out, you know. And so he goes around, and I see him sneaking up to this calf, and he reaches down to grab this thing, and it makes a little sound, you know, bleh. And all of a sudden, here come Mama Cow Elk running through the woods. Not happy. Not happy. Like, if we didn't have the cattle dog there that was walking around and it started chasing it, Roland would have got steamrolled. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, was going so to say. Then, and we then jumped in is... that ditch and we ran. <laughs> then, <laughs> she could go. Immediately when, when he said, I wonder how much I wonder how much yeah, I, I could tell right now this is not going to no, end well. No, he was just going to lift it. He was going to lift it, you know, because and then eyeball the weight. Yeah, because we we handled calves all the time. I thought he was. Cattle. I thought he wanted one. It was just gonna, no. I'm he just take that home. He's just like I wonder what they weigh. You know, that's just a <laughs> that's just a cattle rancher thing. Yeah. Do you know how many people have like pet raccoons now? Oh yeah, it's just so many. I see all the time. Just they have. You know, just sitting there watching TV with a raccoon. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> when my we mom... had a squirrel in college. Yeah, we trapped a squirrel, and I don't know if this is like could put me in jail or not, but we put a we put a Statue leash on of it. Limitations. We put a leash on it and had that squirrel for like two weeks. Fed it, took care of it, gave it water and everything. He was on a leash. And yeah, we took it for a walk, and that thing got off a leash. <laughs> he wanted the hell out of <laughs> there. The out. squirrels in Pullman were. Like small dogs. Well, the big silver, those big silver squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, my mom. And was they a... would die. They would die, like, you know, and then people would, like, prop them up and put, like, little baby sunglasses on them. Could they with, get like, run over or something? Itty bitty, you know, those little, like, yeah. finger condoms <laughs> that you'd put on, like, if you cut your finger at a restaurant yeah. and lay those down next to it with, like, some ibuprofen, like, like it just OD'd on the side of the road. And no one would touch it, just leave these dead squirrels there, just like they OD'd on the side of the road. <laughs> College antics. Yeah, put a little balloon on it. So yeah, get well soon. Get well soon. <laughs> Absolutely, thing that happened. There was one that stayed for like two months. <laughs> when mom was a little girl, the the mascot of our school, our high school I grew up, were the Badgers, and they had a badger. Oh man, that's bad. They had a nice. pet badger, and they put on a leash, and before basketball games, they would run it around the gym. No way. Serious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, WSU used to have a live cougar they used to run on the field. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. That didn't end well. <laughs> After an eight, a few kids. I think no that's, all over. that's a legend, but I'm no. pretty sure it's now like stuffed in like the entryway of the... Yeah, that's, that sounds those. like a legend. The badger no, I'm was, pretty sure there was a live cougar The badger cougar was mascot. real because I saw pictures of it. And they like used LSU, to run it around the gym. LSU was a live tiger. Dad had a pet skunk. Well, the... Was, in high school, why pet would you skunk? want a pet skunk? Well, it, it had it had the scent glands removed yeah. on it, and he said he said, "Man, that was the best thing for picking up chicks." Oh man, <laughs> no said, way! Oh, Happy Le Pew. Yeah, exactly. I saw a skunk at fish camp one year. Yeah, <laughs> you did not see a skunk. <laughs> I we? did. Here you we know, go. You was thought sniff- you saw a skunk. It was <laughs> sniffing out the smoke, uh-huh. and then it got sure. into our little garbage. Oh, and yeah. I ran. And, and and he sat and had a conversation with this skunk. Yeah. For like I did a half not. Hour. I was like, "That's a skunk." We're yeah. face to face, hey, and I ran. How you ran. doing, buddy? I think you might have had too many Wood Family spirits, but anyway, <laughs> no, I was a hundred percent a skunk that I was like face to face with. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We've really gone off the rails. Yeah. Well, 
I think I'm going to go try to catch one of your gophers. (laughs) (laughs) I might need some help with that. All right. Well, we're going to call it a day. And uh, be sure to go rate us five stars because that was funny. You have to admit that was funny. (laughs) And be sure to go follow us on social media. Go buy some rods. Go buy some lures. And definitely go buy some bourbon from Wood Family Spirits. Until next week, we will talk to you later. Bye.